All right, St. John 21, verse 5. Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish. And therefore that disciples whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him before he was naked. And he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. We'll just stop right there. Now we'll go to um, Luke 5, 1 to 11. Luke 5, 1 to 11. Excuse me. Okay. And it came to pass that the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake. In verse 2. And he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen was gone out and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and he prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down. He taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, or he had, he spoke to Simon, launch out unto the deep, and let down your net for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish in their nets. And they beckoned the other Parts, partners to come and help them and they came and filled both the ships they began to sink we'll just stop right there we're going to title that this morning the great and mighty catch the great and mighty catch there's a spirit of revival working here in this church I feel it in my spirit the other morning, Sister Diane come to me and said, I want to talk to you a minute. Said, I had a dream about you the night and said, I know it's real. And I got to tell you about it. I won't go into all the details, but said, when I got to you, you were standing there like you were sort of exhausted and your little hands was out. And Sarah there laid there beside you with Gly and his head was cut off and laying beside you. She said, in the dream, I said, Brother Bill, you have killed the giant. 
I want you to know sometimes we wrestle with things in the spirit that nobody else knows. But I want you to know he knows. I don't care what you're going through with and what's facing you, he knows. He knows. He knows how to deal with you. No one knows you. Some people say, well, if I know my heart, you don't know your heart. Jeremiah said, you cannot know your heart. Your heart are desperately wicked above all things. But there's someone that knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus is here 24 hours a day working with us. An angel appeared to Jesus and said, you're fixing to have a child. She's probably 13 to 15 years of age. She says, how can that be? I do not know a man. I don't know no man. Never has happened in 4,000 years. The devil will tell you it can't happen. The miraculous can't happen in your life. Something dynamic can't happen in your life. And they'll get you to thinking, well, it's never happened before. It has never happened in 4,000 years. This miraculous thing, Brother Clayton, is about to happen. He said, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you, and you will become pregnant. He will put a seed inside you. I want you to know this morning that the Holy Ghost can put a seed inside your physical spiritual womb that will transform your life forever. You don't need somebody to tell you you've been transformed. Sister Otwell spoke in our Sunday school class this morning. I guess she was about 20 years age or someone. She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She said it was nothing like it in all the world of I've experienced. One seed in your life from God from above, though it's never happened before, can happen in an instant moment and change everything. Along that same line, Elizabeth and Zechariah, the Bible says, well stricken in age. They was faithful in the house of God. Prayed all those years for a child, but never had one. But the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I may get off course, but I don't care. But I'm going to stay on course with him. The Holy Ghost can change your life. I don't care how old you are and what you've been praying about. God has heard your prayers. These people were faithful, but they were well stricken in years and never had a child. They prayed for a child. But you got a young virgin, brother, a young virgin, fixing to have a child and never known a man. And you got an old woman who had been praying for years, has not a child. The Holy Ghost plants a seed in that womb that's been dead for many years and all of a sudden it comes alive and bring it. Listen, God's going to plant a seed in this city around here and going to plant a seed in your heart and your life and you're going to come alive like you've never known life before because it's the power of the Holy Ghost in fire from heaven. He can change your life. Well, I'm just too old. You're too old for the physical, but you're not too old for the spiritual to change your life. And the miraculous thing began to happen. 
Jesus was born in a manger. If you was raised on the farm, you might understand this. Hogs stink. I'm sorry, Peggy loves to cook sausage and bacon for us and eggs for breakfast, but hogs stink. Chicken stink. If I had to clean a chicken like I did when I was a kid coming up, there'd be no more chicken eating it in my house. Those days are gone. They stink. The Bible said there's much strength in the ox, but in the stall is a mess, M-E-S-S. You have to clean that up because it stinks. Your horse lot stinks. You got to keep that cleaned up. But I want to get you the picture this morning where Jesus was born. He was born in a stinky place. He was born where the stink sort of take your breath away. He was born and Mary gave birth to the boy. It doesn't matter where you're from and what's in your life. God can bring new birth in your life in the most stinkiest place in this world. He knows how to relate to you because he's been there. Sometimes we try to talk to people and relate to them. We have no idea what they're doing, but we're going to try to tell them because we never walked in their shoes. But I want you to know this morning that the God that knows the stink you're in, he knows what you're going through with, he knows your problem, your sorrow, and your grief, and he knows how to give you a new birth right there in the midst of all of that because he knows your life. He knows who you are. Glory to God. Age of two, they had to run with him. He was rejected and despised of all men the 33 and a half years he lived on this earth. They had to go to Egypt and lay from age of two to age of 12. And they come back to Nazareth, one of the worst places in the world to be raised in Jesus' time was Nazareth. Hated rejected, but there where he was raised. And they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Oh, glory to God. You might say, can any good thing come out of me? I want you to know the devil's a liar. He's the father of all lies. you got an almighty God that can bring you out of the worst condition that you've been raised in and you've been through in your life and make a change in your life that the world will know that you've been with Jesus. Then he was crucified. One of the worst death there is is crucifixion. There's none no greater. His own people cried, crucify him, crucify him. He's not our king. Caesar's our king. And there he hangs. And the thief says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And he remembered him. He looked down from the cross in his sorrowful death condition and looked at John beloved and said, take my mama home and take care of her. He was thinking about others and not himself. And then he cries, my father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? They crucified him outside of Jerusalem. They didn't feel he was even worthy to be crucified in Jerusalem. He was carried to the place called Golgotha, the skull, and there they crucified him. And there they laid him in a tomb for three days, 
and he got up. I want you to know this morning, I don't care what crucifixions you've been through with, you know one God that knows exactly how to raise you out of that tomb and bring you life in your life and give you a life from ever from hereafter. Amen? What a wonderful Christ Savior we have today. And then when he went back to heaven, he sat down on the right hand of the Father, and the Father gave him all the power and authority in heaven and earth. What a king we have. There's a great and minor revival atmosphere. Amen. You might say, well, I don't feel it. You're going to feel it. Hmm? You're going to feel it. This 13 or 15-year-old, the scholars are not sure, but somewhere along there. When she was told, you're going to have a child, you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, and you're going to come pregnant, she said, there shall be a performance of the Word of God. I mean, you know, something ought to roar inside of us and come out of us when we hear the Word of God, and we ought to say within ourselves, by the power of God, there is going to be a performance of the Word of God. There is going to be a performance of the Word of God. Dr. Tony Evans lost his wife a few years ago. Devastating death. She called the family together and said, you all know it's time for me to go home. It's time to go. I'm going to say goodbye. She looked at Tony and said, don't let the world get lost in the crisis. Can I be bold this morning? Don't lose the word of God in your crisis, in your life. It is your life connection with Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost and fire. But if you lose the word in the crisis and not speak the word in crisis, then devastation sets in. We got an awesome king. He bore our sickness and bore our disease that he could give us the Holy Ghost and give us life. I want you to notice in reading here this morning, Jesus was very pacific in everything he said. Brother James Clayton mentioned that a couple of Wednesday nights ago that Abraham could never get the blessing as long as he was in Macedonia. People hate what? Change. Is that right? Come on, help me out. Now, I talk to people. They hate change. They, they don't like it. They're against it. They talk against it. They pull against it. But Jesus tells Peter, you're going to have to launch out. You're going to have to change to get what I'm fixing to tell you. How many know there's benefits in change? How many know the eaglet would never learn to fly if it hadn't been not for his mama? Hmm? He's comfortable in the nest. It's got all feathers in the nest. And when she decides it's time to fly, oh to God, the Lord is speaking to us today. It's time to learn to fly. It's time to get out of the nest. 
had some things that really me this week, and I don't know what it was, and and I went and talked to Jay Peters this morning, and I told him, I said, what the Lord had been telling me. I said, no, there's a lot of difference in our ages. He said, it's not much as you think. He said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 83. He said, I'm 62. And you look at both of us, you know one black and one white. You don't have to have no intelligent interpretation to know that. But I said, God is speaking to me about a connection. I don't know when, where, and how, and how it's going to come about, and who it's going to come about. A lot of revivals came not through a minister. It didn't come through the church. And I'll share more about this later. America's only had four revivals in her existence. Only four. The last one was 1904. The first one was, I think, 1773. Right before the Great War of the Revolution. Every revival didn't come after the war or tragedy. It came before it. I mean, you know, this time, I believe, is right for right now. I don't know when, where, and how, but there's a revival fixing to break out. There's a connection between God's people. Hallelujah. Right before the tragedy comes, there's going to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost of the children of God. But he said, Peter... I want to get you in the deep. Somebody say, I want to get in the deep. I want to get away from the shore. You can't get the anointing that's laying in the shore. You're not going to get any anointing staying where you are. You're going to have to change. We're going to have to come out of something. But we only change when we hear the voice of God. Don't never change for the sake of changing. It won't work. But when you hear the voice of God tell you to change, change. Watch out. Go where he says go. Be specific what he says to do. Peter said, I fished all night long. You're just a carpenter and you come out of Nazareth. And here you are telling me how to fish. And he left the shore. It takes a spiritual eye to see the things of God. That's why it says in, I, in, in Revelation, anoint your eye with eyesight where you can see the things of God. Elisha could see the angels encamped about him. Hazai could not. He could see something. Jesus knew there was a mighty catch of fish. A mighty catch of fish. Peter did not. Peter was not willing to change. And you notice, well, he said, at thy word, I will do it. But in his mind, Brother Ken, he's saying, I'm going to let down one net. <laughs> it's foolish. We just wash it. I'm not no fisherman. A guy told me one time he's going to bring me some fish. I said, are they cooked? He said, no. I said, then don't bring them. I'm not cleaning them things. I'm not spending my time cleaning no fish when I go down and sit and say, I already need it, you know. But cleaning nets is a hard, terrible job. It's difficult. You got to get it white again. And Peter said, I'm on the, going in his mind. You might be saying with your lips, I'm going to do it, but in your mind, 
is saying something else. In his mind, he only took one net. Y'all got that? He didn't take two, he took one because he was not looking for a great catch. He was not looking for the miraculous to take place. He didn't believe it could happen even though the master was aboard. There's people that's got the master inside their heart but they can't believe there's a miraculous fixing to happen and come upon them. Glory to God. Something miraculous is taking place in the atmosphere. 160 people, I mean, 160 countries in the world are sending people to America through our borders right now. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who we're getting ready for the greatest revival that's ever happened before the world comes to the end. I don't know. But I know there's a connection. I feel it. I feel something in my spirit. And I, I don't go by what all these news media is saying. I don't go by all that stuff. I'm going about what the Word of God says. Huh? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm going what the Word of God says. So Peter, he went out and and he cast down this one net. And we read there, he said, now you're going to have to put it where? Where did Jesus put, be Pacific when he told him to cast it? Where did, where, where did he tell him Pacific to put it? Where? Where? Well, you, you're getting close. Ship's got many sides. They only got one right side. If he had cast it to the left side, he'd have got zero. If we're going to get the blessings of God, we've got to follow the line, what he says, and listen to him Pacific. Amen? One man in the, when Absalom was warring against David, he wanted, he wanted to go and tell David what was going on. And what was going on, finally they told him, well, just go, just go. And he, he, he went and run, and run and told David how the war was going on. And David wasn't concerned about the war and how it was going on. He said, what about Absalom, my son? Well, he said, well, the war's this way, and the war, he said, what about Absalom, my son? He, and then finally he looked at them running, he said, just get thee behind me. Listen, we ought not to be listening to what the world's saying about the world's going on, the war's going on. We ought to be listening about what the sons of the living God is hearing from God. He didn't hear anything. He didn't have nothing to say. But when Peter put that net down on the right side, a guy told me one time he owned several businesses. said, I had to let my son go. He worked for me. I had to let him go. He would tell the customers, it's my way or the highway. Or tell the employees, it's my way or the highway. He said, I told him one day, he said, son, you can't do that. Well, it, it, it's just my way of the highway. He said, well, then you hit the highway and go find you another job. You're running off my employees and you're running off my business. How many know there's not but one way to God? Repentance. Turning from your evil, wicked ways. Repentance means to turn and go the opposite direction. You can't repent and keep going the same direction you've been going for years. You've got to go a different direction. You've got to have a mind change. Amen? Hallelujah. You've got a caterpillar mind. You've got to change and get a butterfly mind. Amen? You've got to get a mind where you can fly. In the mama eagle decides it's time for the eaglet to fly. How many know you can only fly when God decides for you to fly? If you try to fly before God adorns you to fly, you're going to fall flat on your face. 
she starts pulling out the feathers where the thorns and start sticking the little eaglets. And then and to stay comfort, they just shift aside. You know, you like you do in the couch, you sit on it so long, this side gets to wearing out, and you just shift over here. You do not change. Brother Yoakum had a bird dog one time. He let him in the house, and when it's bad cold, he'd lay down in front of the fire. And that had an open fire back then, and said that dog would lay down in front of that fire, and the, and the fire get hot on him. He'd just lift his head up and growl. Oh, oh, it's the fire. He never would move. Listen, when the fire starts to burn, you feel the fire of God. It's not a time to crawl oh, against God. It's getting hot here. It's time to move. Amen. It's time to fly. It's time to stretch your wings and see what God's going to do for you. Amen. And finally, if they don't fly, so the mama takes somebody asked Sue one time, said, how do you get all them eaglets of yours together? She said, because I'm the mama. Next Sunday is Father's Day we'll be preaching on the father of the house is to both to be the instructor. Twenty something times in Proverbs it teaches that. And finally, this mother eagle picks that little eaglet up and does what? Throws it out of the nest. I'm sorry to do to this, you baby, but you really don't know what's going on. A lot of times we don't know what God is really going on. We want him to explain the A to Z, and when all he's going to give you the A, he's never going to give you the B until you obey the A. And once you obey the A, he'll give you the B. It's one step at a time. Brother Chelsea Young preached of Western one time, living for God's life, playing checkers. You move, then God moves. If you don't move, he ain't moving again. You've got to move when he says move. She throws this eagle out of the nest. There's benefits in change. Hmm? I'm talking about when God changes it. Don't change for the sake of change. You'll get in a worse situation sometime. And she watches it. How I many? I want you to picture the mama eagle watching that little eaglet. When she throws him out of the nest, he just spiraling down. He don't, Lord, have mercy in my mama mean. She threw me out of my comfort zone. And sometimes we feel that way that God moving us out of our comfort zone. He's getting ready for you to fly. How many of you, how many want to fly? Or you want to just walk like a chicken the rest of your life? Or you want to sit in your nest the rest of your life? That mama eagle knows what it is to be a, a mile sitting up in uh, far away and looking across the lake and see a fish so deep down in the lake. Them keen eyes of her, she looks down there. She sails off that mountain with her wings spread as miles per hour and zoops down and with them heavy claws, she lets them down right where that fish is and she snatches that fish out of the water and pulls it back up and carries it where the little eagles is. She wanting to teach that eagle how to fly. And I know when you get an empty nest, we didn't have but one, you know, to fly the nest. But uh, Jody Johnson had quite a few of them to fly the nest. And I know we mourn about it. And you may think I'm hard and ugly, but I think it's a good thing when they fly the nest. I, I, I think it's a good thing. Amen. You say, why, 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 Brother Bill? I want to see them to grow. I want to see them to learn how to fly. 
I want to let them learn see how to walk and live for God by themselves. Amen. I want them to see know what it means life is all about living for God. And that's how the little eagle learns to fly. She watches that eagle fall into the earth and all of a sudden she swoops down, puts her wing under him, lifts it back up. Listen, God's not going to let you fall. He's going to come swifter to you, swifter than lightning. Peter, you got to change. You got to move away from the shore. Peter didn't know what was going on. He had to put the net where? On the right side. God has no limits. The mustard seed, the smallest seed in the world, that seed represents Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Put in the ground and dies. The shell falls off. He comes out of the grave. He sets up the greatest kingdom it's ever been known to mankind. In Israel, that tree from the mustard seed grows to be the largest tree in all of Israel. And blood, birds came there and feed off the, flock, off the fruit thereof. That's what Jesus has done. He's got out of the grave. He's built the largest kingdom in this world. Don't be totally overwhelmed by what's happening in this world. If what they're doing is not of God, it's going to come to naught. But God is going to have the final say. He's going to have the final say. Cyrus is one of the most wicked kings in the Bible. He's wicked, but God used him to bring about his purpose for his people. So the net goes down. And all of a sudden, no man cometh to God except he's drawn by the Spirit. No activities that the church can perform will bring people to God. None. It's the Spirit of God that brings people to God. The Spirit of God. Y'all don't realize how ignorant I was. When I sat on that pew in that church on high school lane and Brother Cardwell preached, I got up and went to the altar. I never knew anything about the Holy Ghost. I didn't know none of that stuff, but I knew there's something wrong in my life. That night I was changed. And I've been changed ever since then. But the net began to break. Jesus saw a mighty catch. Peter didn't see nothing. But they called the partners in. There's people says the church, they tell me the church is not ready for revival. We don't have the people to take care of them. That's human mentality thinking. 
Exodus 31, I think, and 33, God told Moses, I put my spirit in them. Talking about who's going to send. Said, I'm going to send them and they're going to help you. They're trained in gold and silver, all types of crafts, all types of woodworking, all things like that. I'm sending them to you to help you to build the temple. I want you to know that overnight, God, Isaiah 66, 8, says, can a nation be born in one day? Yes. In Acts, Paul preached the gospel to all of Asia in his lifetime. They turned their world upside down with the miraculous power of God. A nation can be born today. A church can be born overnight of the miraculous power of God. He sent men that knew what to do. And God sent the gold and the silver and everything they need to build the temple. God is sending people and putting them in place to build his temple, the spiritual kingdom of God. The net began to break, and they called in their partners. And they filled both ships, and both ships began to what? Sink. The miraculous power working of God. I want you to think what would have happened if they just had both nets out there. The wonderful blessings of God. God told Ezekiel, I'm going to get you to give a, a greater experience. He got in ankle deep water. He got in knee deep water. He got in thigh deep water. Then he got in water that he could not swim across. That's God's plan for the church of this age to get in living waters that we can swim in. The power of the Holy Ghost with us every moment of our lives. Getting away from the shore. Getting out in deep waters. There's benefits in what? Change. The eagle will never learn to change if it had not been for his mother. So that, that's found in Deuteronomy 32, 10, and 11, the benefits of change. Ezekiel 3 and 1 says everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There's time right now for a revival that we've never seen and witnessed before. We hadn't had one since 1904. We've had some move of God's. And usually a move of God like in, uh, well, forgot the names of them right now, only lasts two years and they fade out. Normally, normally a move of God only two years and it fades out. Pensacola, it's gone today and not even heard of because people lose interest. But I want you to know God help us not to lose interest in the power of God. When John Wesley died, he died with these on his lips when he spoke to the Methodist Church. I believe you'll always be Methodist, but I'm dying believing that you'll not always possess the power of God. It's the power of God under salvation that we receive through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus mentioned about this great draft of fish. A great draft of fish. And Jesus mentioned also 
about the pearl of, the, of great price was found in the sea. The pearl of great price found in the sea. And the sea has a lot of representation. The pearl. The sea represents the people. Many times in the Bible it says the sea of people. What do we got coming to America? I think we've already, this year, already had um, over a million documented that they know of and those that they don't know of. Could it be we're on the verge of the greatest river? And someone, this is what people tell me, well, we don't know what kind of religion they're bringing in here. We don't know what they're going to do to us. Anybody, you ever talk to anybody like that? I don't want to burst your bloom, but I'm going to tell you something. Brother Yoakum used to teach up the world and other people hadn't got anything that can hurt you. But you got something that can help them. It doesn't matter what kind of religion they got and what they think, they can't hurt us. But we can help them. This world can't hurt us, but we can help this world. We can have the salvation that they need. So this sea, the pearl of great price, is taken from the sea. The gospel was to be preached by the disciples of Christ to all the nations. They were to preach Christ. Preach Christ. I pray from now on until the Lord comes, until we leave, every service, even on teaching on Wednesday night and Sunday school, has something to do with evangelism. That's the only thing that's going to save people is evangelism. If you read the book of Acts, they preach Christ. Acts 8, he preached Christ. Preaching of Christ brings salvation. Daniel 7, 2 and 3 said, We see the Gentile and its empire rising from the sea of people. He prophesied that many years ago. When he sees the Gentiles arising up out of the sea, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Isaiah 66 and 8, we've already quoted. Jesus was always specific about everything that had to happen. So God bless you today. I want you to look for something great to happen this week in your life. Look for something good to happen. The seed, small as it was, in the Virgin Mary's womb, brought something that had never happened in 4,000 years. This barren woman been praying, well stricken in age, and nothing has ever happened until the Holy Ghost overshadows us and plants a seed in her womb. She brought forth John the Baptist. Even Jesus said there's no prophet ever risen greater than John the Baptist. He was the greatest prophet that ever was. And he only got to live six months to preach his message. Dressed in camel's hair, eating wild locusts, that means berries. He had no orchestra, he had no piano. He had no praise and worship team, but he was out in the wilderness 
preaching Christ. I got to decrease. How many of you for us to have a mighty revival in our personal life in the church? This man, natural man, has got to what? Decrease. John said, I got to decrease because there's one coming after me which I can't be on the same stage with him. That's the only reason he could live six months. Jesus couldn't start his ministry until John had his head cut off. Decrease. And when he saw Jesus, he'd never seen Jesus before. Never had seen him. Those first cousins had never seen him. But when he seen Jesus coming to be baptized, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that's the Messiah. He said, I need to be baptized of you. Jesus says, I got to be baptized of you to feel all righteousness. Huh? John knew the value of receiving the baptism on the Holy Ghost. Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin court. He was one of the most learned men of his time on the gospel. He told Jesus, we know all these miracles, signs, and wonders you do cannot come from a man. They have to come from God. So if there's going to be a move of God and a miraculous hand of God, it's got to come from God and not from man and not from flesh. So I want you to expect something good to happen. It's already in the air. I was going to read another scripture. I, yeah, I believe I will read that before we go. It's found in Luke, I believe it is. Just a minute. Luke 14, I think. I'm going to read that before we go. What Jesus told. He was always so specific in, in, what, he, in what he did. Luke 14, 21 to 23. And they, they came to him. So the servants came. And showed the Lord these things, meaning Jesus. Then the master of the house, being angry, and said to his servant, Go out quickly under the streets and bring in the poor, the maimed, that means people without arms or legs, the halts and the blind, and the servants. And Lord, it is done as I have said, yet there is room. He goes on to say, go out in the highways and streets and compel them to come in, that my house might be full. Jesus desires to see the house of God full, full of the things of God. I thought about Brother Ken this week, when Went and helped Peggy do some shopping, and uh, I, I normally do it anyhow, but I made up my mind, Brother Ken. Everybody I meet, I was either going to smile, I was going to say hi. Amen. Peggy and I, we didn't know what we were going to eat last night. Well, we, we didn't. Well, anyhow, she said, "Why don't we just? Why don't you go out and get us a Burger King? Get just one. We'll split it." Okay. That's where we are in life. We're, we're half a Burger King person, you know. And uh, I wish I'd have been thinking quicker when I went through that drive-in. Hey, that young lady. But I done pulled up 
too far. I thought that that smile was worth a me a twenty dollar smile. I was gonna reach in my pocket and give her a twenty dollars because her smile was so impressive. And I'll have to agree with Brother Ken. You you'll be shocked when you say hi. How y'all doing today? Good day. The reaction they'll do. Are we just hearers of the word? We must be a doer of the word. We can't just hear, we got to do and get to, now how I many you know it'll make you feel good? It'll be a feeling come over here when you say hi. Something inside will start feeling good because they'll look around. There is a revival in the air. Don't know where it's going to come and how it's going to come, who it's going to come from. We'll share more about that. A revival does not always come from the church. It comes from somebody that comes. Revival can be so strong, like in the book of Caribbean Hills. The ships came into ports in this city. Before the ship got into the port, everybody on that ship was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They had to stop the ships and send messages ashore to send somebody out there to help them because they didn't know how to deal with 30 or 40, 50 people getting the Holy Ghost. You say, that's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. I'm going to go to God. <clears throat> I'm going to repent here a little bit. But he lives in here. So there's nothing impossible with us. Nothing. When David carried the ark, which represents the presence of God to Obed Eden's house and left it three months, somebody shout out what happened. He, everything he was blessed. They went by his house, his corn was growing bigger. His tomatoes was bigger. His carrots was bigger. His hogs was bigger. Everything was just growing, just growing out. And, uh, and uh, I believe the Lord revealed to me this week, said, if, I let, if you let me live in you like I was alive down there in that ark, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Listen, we ought to be blessed above anybody on the face of this earth because the blesser is living inside of us. The impossible is living inside of us. And he's helping us to be what he wants us to be.